Good morning. Happy New Year. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Joshua today. And last week, James uh, preached the end of Deuteronomy. And James did not know that we would be in Joshua chapter 1 on this Sunday. So I just chalked that up as the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Lord is powerful. He can do anything He wants to do. And today, we're talking about where you send us, we will go. From Joshua chapter 1. Some of you today, you look the best that I've seen you all year. And um, a lot of you wearing your Christmas clean and all of that stuff. Looking snazzy, it's wonderful. So, Joshua chapter 1. Let me tell you a little bit about Joshua as we get into it. Joshua means Yahweh saves. Okay? Now, if you, Yahweh saves. Not social media, little G God, but Yahweh. Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, creator of the cosmos. The God that can do anything, anytime, anywhere. Yahweh saves. Joshua, his name meant that. It's pretty awesome. I looked up what my name meant, B-R-E-T-T, and it was nothing. It was like, I don't even know where it came from. Germany or somewhere. So, if you translate the Hebrew word for Joshua into Aramaic, which is Aramaic is a language that a few of the books of the Bible were translated into, and actually... We believe that Jesus probably spoke Aramaic in his time on earth. So if you translate the Hebrew for Joshua into Aramaic, it become, Joshua becomes Jesus. Jesus saves. Better look out. It's about to go down. Jesus saves. You believe that this morning? Jesus saves. So what Jesus is to God's people in a larger sense, Joshua is to God's people in a smaller sense. Joshua is a picture of Christ. He's a type of Christ. So as you turn to Joshua chapter 1, and tell me a few more, I'll share a few more things about Joshua, give us some context. This book is not just a great record of history, but it is a way that God unveiled his plan for his people. We believe that Joshua was the actually, actually the one who penned this book, carried along by the Holy Spirit. First Kings chapter 6 tells us the date of the Exodus, which we studied last year. The date of the Exodus was about 1446 B.C. And Israel spent how long in the wilderness? That's right. Some of you paid attention to Sunday school. So that you would, you put the crossing of the Jordan River into the Promised Land about 1406 B.C. And we believe that Joshua was about 75 years old when he led God's people into the promised land. Caleb was with him, and Caleb, we know, was 85 years old. So, what is, what's the application in, in that? Well, age is really irrelevant when God's in the equation. So, of all the people, in the book of Numbers, you notice that all of the people, they were content with staying in the forsaken land, Right? Because they didn't want to go into the promised land because they were afraid. They, they became used to the way life was and their routine and they didn't want to change. They would rather stay in a forsaken land 
they go into the promised land. And I think today, many Christians, many times in our lives, that's a picture of our salvation. We're saved out of Egypt. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you for saving me from the the flames and from slavery and forgiving me of my sin. But we never walk forward in obedience in our life. And so therefore, we never get to experience the abundant life that Jesus talked about. But it was Caleb that spoke up in the book of Numbers. He said, we should go into the land. We can do it. You see, Caleb was, really, there wasn't anything that special about Caleb and Joshua. But what, what made these guys so legit was that they had faith. They just believed God. They said, well, yeah, God told us to go take this land, so yeah, we're going to do it. But nobody else had that attitude. It was just these brothers. And so what did God do? God rewarded them, and they actually got to lead God's people into the promised land. And so age is irrelevant when God wants you to do something. Now, if you're just, depending on your flesh, you're going to see what you can accomplish on your own, then yeah, age may become a factor. Like, if you're 85, you probably shouldn't go try to be in a jump rope contest. It's probably not going to work out that great. But if you're in a trivia contest from 1940s, you're probably going to win. And, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to look at 2018 and say, are we going to try to accomplish what we can accomplish? Are we going to believe God? And that's what it's about. That's what, that's what it was about going into the promise saying, see, God's people... They were in slavery for so long. They, I mean, they weren't experts in knowing how to fight and go to war. And yet, God told them to inherit a land that was already possessed. Or they were reclaiming it from long ago. So the Lord told His people in Exodus 3, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And today, the Lord wants somebody in the house to walk forward in obedience in order to attain the promised land. What that looks like for your life, it, it may not mean success, it may not mean prosperity, but it will mean peace with God Almighty. It will mean being a part of his work. So God's plan for our life is not to be saved from our sins and then for us just to go and do whatever we want. Yeah, we'll walk the aisle, get some fire insurance, and then just go live like however we want to. That's not biblical Christianity. And so t- this morning, if, you're, if your Christian life, if it never involves ever taking up your cross and following the Lord, if it never involves evangelism, discipleship, Helping God's church, His bride, go forward. If, you, if you're never being involved in helping to raise your family up, if you have a family, raising your children in the fear of the Lord, if your life doesn't include any of those things, then friend, I want to challenge you. You need to check out the station where you found your salvation. Because it may be not real. And it'd be foolish, and, and I'd be a naive pastor to, to never... That's, that's why we have invitations. We, we believe that there's people in the house probably don't know the Lord. 
And every Sunday, every day, God is, wishes for none to perish, but all to come to repentance, to have life. And so, for 2018, the Lord God Almighty that we just sang about, He's not impressed with anything we can do. Did you know that? Except there's one thing that we can do that He's impressed with. Faith. That's what got God's attention when Abraham was chosen. That's what Joshua and Caleb, I think the Lord was like, look at here. Look at these two guys who were simply believing what I said. So, Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start out in the first nine verses, and then we'll get to the rest of it. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. Look, Joshua comes from a Catholic background. Moses, assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving giving to them and to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according, according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so the first nine verses, the Lord speaks to Joshua. He commissions Joshua as a leader and he gives him kind of the plan. And he, his plan is mixed with a lot of charges and then a lot of promises. A lot of commandments and mixed in with a lot of encouragement, and that's what we need, and and God knows that. And so this morning, I'd like to share some of those charges that the Lord told Joshua specifically. He started off, he says, arise and go. Take these people into the land that I'm giving them. Next thing we notice there in the first nine verses, be strong and courageous. Commandment. Be strong and courageous, not a suggestion, it's God's commanding Joshua specifically. Joshua, do not be soft. Be strong. Be courageous. Another charge, he says, you shall cause these people to inherit the land God has promised these people. Joshua, because of your leadership, they will inherit the land. Exactly the same thing that God told Moses. You think that made uh, Joshua nervous? Next we see, God says again, be strong and very courageous. Joshua, don't just put face paint on your face and charge being courageous. No, brother, be very courageous. 
Next he says, be careful to follow the law given to Moses. So the Lord tells Joshua, make sure the people stick to the word. Follow the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That's all they had at that time. Stick to the word, man. Don't turn to the right from it or to the left. Stick to the word. And the promise was that you will have success if you do that. Now, success in God's eyes is different than success in the world's eyes. Success all of the time in the Bible equaled obedience. And success today in 2018, success equals obedience. You may pursue everything the Lord wants you to pursue. You may walk with the Lord daily in humility. You may seek to live on mission every day, surrender daily, take up your cross and follow the Lord. And this year you may not see one person coming to Christ through your Christian life. Now I find I have a hard time believing that somebody does that, then they will not see someone coming to Christ. But we're not called to be successful in the world's eyes. That's not what we're after. We're after obedience. Amen? Don't you want to be a church that is focused on being obedient to the Lord? I mean, we can drum up a lot of things and make a lot of things happen on our own strength and our own flesh, but it's going to crumble. It's not going to be built upon the rock. But the Lord promised Joshua, if you do these things, you will be prosperous. And he was, he was talking about prosperous in every sense of the word. That you will have abundance. That you will flourish financially. Now that's God's specific promise to the Israelites. Hudson Taylor, the, the man that we named our, our son after. He always said, Hudson Taylor, famous missionary to China. He would always remind the people. That God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And that's true. I mean, if the Lord is in it, if it's his will, he will see it through. You believe that this morning? And then notice the promises that mixed in with these charges here in these first few verses. He says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Verse 5. Then he says, no one will be able to stop you. Nobody standing before you can stop you because I'm sending you. Then he says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Sound familiar? Then he says, you will have success if you do all, uh, all according to the word. He says, the Lord is with you wherever you go. That should be the most encouraging thing to our Christian life and to God's people this time. This was the Lord's promise at the Great Commission, right? I'll be with you always, even to the end. It seems that that is the truth in the Bible that we forget most often. That the Lord, He really is. He's with you. He's with us. And so Joshua hears the marching orders. He hears the plan. And then, now, let's see... Joshua speaks to the people. Let's look in verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people. This is kind of like his inauguration speech. 
Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go and to take possession of the land that your Lord, that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest, and I will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Pause. We're going to stop right there. So, in verse 13, Joshua stands up. He says, remember the word. Remember the word. Remember the promise that God shared with Moses. The Lord is, God is going to provide you a place of rest and will give you this land. Then Joshua says, hey, the wives, the little ones, the, the, all of the animals, they're going to stay behind. And then all of the fighting men are going to go forward. And in chapter 8 tells us that they put on an ambu- ambush, 30,000 soldiers. And Joshua says, and we're going to go take this land. And so Joshua gave them this plan. He gives them this great mission statement, basically. And then look at how the people respond. So now the people are responding. They answer Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses. It's kind of a false statement in a way, but let's go with it. Just as we obeyed Moses... In all things. Yeah, right. So we will obey you. Only may the Lord Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him, shall he be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Okay, I, I find this response to the people hilarious. Because God's, God's people here, it's so funny. You never have to wonder about their allegiance. I mean, if they're going to sin, they're all in. If they're going to follow the Lord, they're all in with that too. I mean, one second, they're like, yeah, Moses, whatever, let's go. You want to go through the Red Sea? Okay, let's do that. And then the next day, or the next few weeks, Moses goes to the mountain to hear from the Lord. He comes back down, and they're building a golden calf. I mean, these people, they were something. But they were God's people. And this morning, a lot of us, there's a lot of characters in our church. You know what I'm saying? All of us. And God didn't give up on God's people then. He's not giving up on his people now. And so their response is so funny because I guess they really thought they followed Moses most of the time. And so they said, just as we obeyed Moses, we're going to follow you, man. You, hey, wherever the Lord wants to send us. We're going to go. And whatever the Lord wants us to do, we're going to do. Is that your heart today? Is that your attitude today?
Is your heart a heart of obedience? Or is your heart towards the Lord's commands most often a heart of resistance? In fact, if you look back to 2017, does most of your time you're walking with the Lord just you fighting the Lord constantly? How'd that work out for you? You see, the reason a lot of us don't go forward in obedience is because we don't trust God. You know, we, because it's a scary thing to, to slam your fist on the table and say, Lord, wherever you send me, I'm going. And God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. I mean, do we really believe that? It's a terrifying thing to say. Before I was married with children, I found myself rubbing up against an Iraqi terrorist training facility in the middle of nowhere in the Philippines. And so if I look in the future, man, if I were to do that now, like, I get really nervous because I have a wife and kids. It changes things, right? But do we trust God? That's the question. Do we trust that he really does plan good things for our life? Do we trust that he really does love us and cares for us and, and knows what's best for us? Or is it just lip service? So they, as, as wild and hairy as these folks were, their response initially is pretty awesome, pretty epic. And then they said, man, if we're going to be with you, man, may God be with you just like he was with Moses. Because Moses, Moses was the dude. I mean, did, have you seen his beard? I mean, Moses, I mean, that guy... God's hand was on him. He he would come down glowing when he came off the mountain talking with God. So if we're going to follow you, may God be with you like Moses. And then I guess as a way to encourage him, they they followed up there at the end, only be strong and courageous. Because the Lord had drilled that into their minds and hearts over and over and over. And that's what he's saying today. Be strong and be courageous because the Lord's going with you. So if we trust the Lord, that's the question. Every one of us can stand up right where we're at, one at a time, and say this without flinching. Wherever, whenever, let's go. Is that your heart? Is that your attitude? The reason we hesitate so much is because we think about what we can do. We're, we're so ingrained with in our culture. We're so consumed with what we can do and our skills and our talents and what we bring to the table. And we miss out on what God can do. <clears throat> and so verse, verse 18, God puts spiritual leadership in place. And the Bible, that meant something. And the people understood the importance of it. And then, the, probably the, I don't, know why, I don't know why I think it's funny, but they said, whoever rebels against your commandment, Joshua, we're going to kill him. I mean, where did the Lord say that? I mean, they were ready to kill anybody. They were passionate. They were excited. Can you imagine me and Joshua having to lead these people? 
into the promised land. Basketball player Thomas DeZigua plays for Oklahoma State. He made five out of ten three-pointers earlier this week against Oklahoma. I know some of you don't care about college basketball, but I'm just using this as an illustration. Well, then they play, I think it was uh, Iowa State, and he got to play three minutes. Three minutes. And here's his, one of his press conferences this week. He said, if they need me to be the biggest cheerleader, I'll be the biggest cheerleader. If they need me to sweep the floor, I'll sweep the floor. Whatever the team needs, I'm just here to win. And I thought, man, that is an attitude that every believer should have in the local church. I wonder how many of us have that attitude. I mean, Lord, if they need me to sweep the floor, give me a broom. Let's do it. If they don't have a broom, Lord, I will go get one. I'll go find one. Caleb, who was 85, getting ready to help Joshua take God's people into the promised land, he had this same type of determination, this grit. And in Joshua chapter 14, listen to this. He says, I was there when the Lord spoke to Moses. Caleb says, I was there when we were walking around in the wilderness. I was there. And now I'm 85 years old. 85. Listen to the words of Caleb. You you tell me if he has determination. He says, yet I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war and for going and coming. You think this guy was determined to help take God's people into the land that the Lord had promised them. Caleb had faith, and he had resolve. And he didn't let his age become a determining factor. He didn't care. All he, all he, all he was concerned about was what God had promised his people. You say, well, Caleb, he, he may not have had hard times like my life, or he, he probably didn't have the same stack of bills in his house that I have to pay, and he probably doesn't have the same struggles that I had. Friend, there was no Chick-fil-A in Caleb's day. There was no doctor that he could go to. He didn't have health insurance at all. I mean, he couldn't even go to the Dollar General and get some ibuprofen. This guy was 85 years old. He didn't let anything deter him from following the Lord. And it didn't matter to Joshua and Caleb, that the Jebusites, the Canaanites, all these people, even the termites, they weren't going to let anybody stand in front of them. They were going to go. And they didn't care what anybody thought about it. They didn't care what Fox News cared about it. They didn't care what CNN thought. It didn't matter. It was irrelevant. God's looking for people somewhere. Somewhere in Hancock County is going to have this attitude to go forward. And obedience. 46,000 people in this county. 46,000 people, approximately. Do you care about them? So as we get ready to close, what's the promised land for our church look like? I mean, for your own life, for you on walking with the Lord, 
That's between you and God. I mean, that is a private thing that you're going to have to figure out. Lord, what does the promised land for my life look like this year? And remember, it's not what the TV preachers say. It's, it's what is it's obedience. It's walking in the Spirit, and there will be fruit. But the promised land for our church, what does that look like? I jotted down a few things. I believe it would look like this. More and more of us being plugged into healthy small groups. And those small groups, people would have a lot of fun. People would find new friendships. People would grow closer to the Lord together. And those people would serve on mission together. Those small groups would be mobilized to go do ministry. They'd be mobilized to go have a fellowship at so-and-so's house or to go out to eat together. I believe it looks like more and more of us becoming prayer warriors, knowing that prayer is the foundation of the Christian life and the greatest way to impact our county. The greatest way to impact other people. The greatest way to impact our nation. The greatest way to impact the nations is to pray. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, therefore, pray. Pray. Pray that God would send out people into the harvest. Promised land for our church means that more and more of us seek daily to love people and to hope to have a gospel conversation with people, to point people to the only one that can save them, to give them life, to lead people to Jesus. Christians in the New Testament led people to the Lord. When was the last time you led somebody to the Lord? Christmas Eve, after the Christmas Eve service, we didn't have any groceries, and we had to travel back to Brandon, where my parents lived, for one more day. And so we did that, and then the next night we drove back, back here. And so we ate at this, um, whatever, you know, Christmas Eve, nobody's open. Last Christmas Eve, we spent at Waffle House, and that didn't go over so well. My wife wasn't super excited about that one. So this Christmas Eve, I'm going to step my game up. So we went to this Japanese place in Picayune, and we're like the only people in there. And um, the server, she was from China, because, you know, most people working in a Japanese restaurant are Chinese. And, and so... I was talking to her about China and this and that. She wanted to hold our baby, which most often we never let strangers do that. I mean, what are people thinking? But we did, because she was a person of peace, and we just, I mean, we're the only ones here, so. But I I couldn't, and and at the end of the time, we hung out with this lady, and I, I said, Jesus loves you. But as we both left that restaurant, I thought, you know, I didn't share the gospel with her. I think I may have missed my Kairos moment. And so today, right now, I just want to say, I don't think I've been as as evangelistic and bold about sharing my faith as I should be. And I want to repent of that. I want to get that right. Because the Lord told his people, be strong and courageous. Will you slam your fist on the table this morning?
Say, Lord, wherever, whatever, whoever, let's go. I believe the promised land for our church is that we help new believers walk with Jesus. This is discipleship. This must be our MO as a church. If not, we would just be a church doing endless activities going around in circles. We should make disciples that make disciples. The promised land for our church means that we continue to get healthier as a church body in every sense of the word, but also financially, administratively. We must be a good steward of God's resources. The promised land for our church means that our church body needs to continue to be unified and even more so for the day coming. The enemy is afraid of a people unified under the banner of the name of Jesus. Makes him shake in his boots. And I believe if we do these things, darkness will run, justice will happen in our land, and the prisoners will be set free. Our church mission statement adopted last July, excuse me, I've got some sinus bugs in my, ca- in my sinus cavities. <clears throat> Our church mission statement, I'll say this and we'll close. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come up. <clears throat> Our mission statement is to gather together in worship, grow together in community, and go together to all nations. Can you be a part of something like that? The Lord told Joshua... Arise and go. Arise and go. What's the Lord saying to you right now? Because he's speaking. He's prompting. He's nudging. He's pulling. What's he saying? You respond.